Welcome to the Nine Moms Podcast. My name is Phineas and this is my mama's podcast and, and here she is. Hi guys, before we get into today's episode, here are a few little ways that you can support this podcast and the recording of all these beautiful birth stories. You can go to Instagram and follow me at Nine Months Podcast. You can give me some likes there. And if you are listening in to the podcast on your phone, you can take a screenshot and share that you are listening to that episode with me and tag me in it at Nine Months Podcast. And I will reshare and we can help spread the word that the podcast exists to other people. You can head to patreon.com slash nine months podcast and become a patron there and help me support the work that I do here. You can also head to asanaetc.com. This is A-S-A-N-A etc.com which is an online platform of yoga movement and meditation that I also run and on that platform there is prenatal and postpartum yoga videos that you can practice with with me um, that are pre-recorded and you can use the promo code I love yoga one word capital letters for 30 day free trial so Please go ahead and support me any way that you can so I can continue doing this beautiful work for this community. Uh, and please don't hesitate to reach out if you have any comments or any any feedback or any reviews for me. Please go to the um, apps where you listen to the pod and give me a rating there or send me a message at the nine months podcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys for listening and now let's get into today's episode. Hi everybody and welcome back to the nine months podcast. This is episode number 42. I hope you all had a wonderful Easter and hopefully some rest and some peaceful times with your near and dear ones. Me, myself, I got to have last week off completely and I went to the countryside in Czech Republic with my husband and my boys and it was really really nice to just turn everything off and and be with them for a little bit and as you guys can hear I've come home with a bit of a cold and um, my pollen allergies have started which is always a glorious surprise when the sunshine comes Um, but you can hear that in my voice today so I'm gonna get right into everything so you don't have to listen to this raspy voice of mine. Um, So for today's story we hear from Gitanjali and she is Indian and her husband is German and they're living in Berlin. Um, Actually she's living in Spain when I talk to her she's living in Spain but she gave birth in Berlin I should correct myself and um, she'll be talking us through how it was Uh, conceiving and going through pregnancy when the pandemic was in its height and we will also talk quite a lot about different things that happen during pregnancy that maybe aren't really discussed so much so the things that aren't 
the most glamorous and, and beautiful, but but the body aches and the pains and the struggles that actually come with being pregnant and the things that can happen in our bodies and in our minds as such and we'll be getting into that we also talk about breastfeeding and how important it is to have help when we are struggling to find our way to feed our child and maybe even the things that we can do that aren't um, breastfeeding and just what is right for you isn't necessarily right for me and I'm going to let Gitanjali do the rest of the talking as usual. Um, so very warmly welcome to the podcast, Gitanjali. So hi, Gitanjali, and welcome to the Nine Months podcast. It's nice to have you with me today. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> Would you like to start by introducing yourself and who's in your family and what you guys do? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, I have one child. Uh, she is 11 months old and, uh, and my husband and me and we're the three of us. Um, we live in Berlin and uh, that's where my birth story also takes place. I am from India. My husband is German and uh, we, my husband is a software developer. I work in the nonprofit sector and have been on maternity leave since uh, a year now. Oh, that's great. Um, so then let's start with your journey to becoming pregnant. Did you guys know that you wanted to have a baby and how did that go for you guys? So we um, had talked about it. Uh, one thing that's uh, important to know is that both of us are slightly older we met uh, quite late in life and got married fairly quickly. And we didn't really want to wait too long with, uh, with having a baby. So we decided that, okay, we're going to start um, trying. And then uh, as luck would have it, I had to travel to Southeast Asia for work. And um, the WHO recommends waiting for at least two months, if it's possible, for fear of the Zika virus when you come back from Southeast Asia. So we decided to wait for that. And, um, and then the lockdown started because, uh, and, and during the lockdown, my husband actually uh, had to go to the hospital for surgery. So everything kind of delayed and, and um, planning the baby was put on the back burner. Um, then in the summer, we said, okay, now the lockdown is over. Let's enjoy the summer. Let's go out, meet our friends, have a lot of drinks and and party as much as possible so we did that and then towards the end of the summer we said okay I think uh now is a good time to to get on it mm. and, uh, we weren't really sure what to do so we said okay let's just let's just start trying and, and figure out as we go and I was looking a little bit at my cycle and trying to track the dates and so on and uh, I really wasn't sure I, I don't think I was taking it very seriously and so the first time and then I said to him yeah maybe this could be it but I'm not really sure uh and he said yeah next month I think we should really track the dates properly and and really do this so he said okay fine but turns out I was already pregnant oh um, so <laughs> it, it happened really it happened as soon as we started trying and oh. uh you know so I kind of had a feeling 
that towards the end of the first month, I said, you know, I, I kind of feel like maybe um, maybe this is it. I didn't have any symptoms. I didn't have any nausea, no um, nothing. So I was also going out and drinking wine and so on. And then one day my husband said, OK, I think we need to we need to check this out. We need to do a test. Mm-hmm. And we did the test and it pretty much showed positive immediately. And it was a very, very strange experience because <laughs> I did not have any reaction. We were both standing and looking at the test and he was jumping and excited and kind of screaming with joy. And I was <laughs> standing next to him and I said to him, yeah, well, it's clearly positive. And I walked yeah. away and I was really horrified that I had no reaction, that I had I didn't have a positive reaction to, to all of this. You know, I think that all of the pressure that gets built up when you when you watch movies, people do take tests and, and then they're really excited and they make a big deal to show it to their partner and so on and so forth. And and I just didn't feel any of that. Mm. Um anyway, so I cried a little bit and then we kind of got planning. We said, okay, we need to fix the doctor's appointment and confirm it. And then mm. you have to realize all of this pregnancy is happening during the lockdown. Yeah. So my husband wasn't allowed into the appointments. He was not allowed to um, see the first ultrasound, uh, nothing. Mm. He just had to wait outside. Yeah. And uh, during the first ultrasound also, it was really funny because she showed me, she said, yeah, see, you see this little black spot and then this little white spot, that's your baby. And, then, and I and I started laughing because uh, that's when it kind of became real for me. And um, it took a while, it took a while for me to really start feeling anything. So uh, in the first trimester, I had a lot of nausea, but no morning sickness and I was extremely tired. I was sleeping about 14 hours a day. Um, I would work. And then in the evening at eight o'clock, sitting on the couch, watching TV, I would just fall asleep. Hmm. Um, All of that was kind of happening, but I wasn't feeling anything else related to pregnancy. It only happened after three months or so when I went into the next ultrasound where I saw that it had become bigger and that it was actually like moving around inside of me. Mm-hmm. That's when I realized, oh wow, this is actually this is actually happening. Um, <laughs> it's a baby inside of me, and that it's growing. Or not a baby, but there is something growing inside of me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was really, and that was really a very interesting experience. Um, mm-hmm. Because I'm a mother over the age of 35 in Germany, they recommend that you do uh, check for Down syndrome. We did all the tests, you know, we said that, yeah, we're just going to, we don't really care, we're going to do all the tests and, and do whatever the doctor recommends. So we did the we did the test for Down syndrome, and I think that's when it really hit me that, okay, this is a big deal, this is something that I really care about, because after she, the doctor, the gynecologist showed me and told me that everything was fine, mm. I felt such relief that I burst out crying and I said, oh my God, I didn't realize how stressed I was. Yeah. And uh, hearing from her that everything looks and sounds fine was a huge relief. 
Yeah. And from that point on, it kind of started becoming more real. Um, it, as I hit the second trimester, everything became fine. You know how most people, most women get a surge of energy. Everything feels better. You feel a bit more comfortable in your body. So all of that happened with me as well. Um, but I had a lot of other pregnancy symptoms. So um, I had a lot of dizziness, uh, a lot of forgetfulness. I mm-hmm. um, I would even just kind of space out. You know, I, I couldn't concentrate on things slowly. So I remember I I love riding my bike, mm-hmm. and uh, I was in the city riding, and I kind of I think I think I just kind of spaced out and fell off my bike. Oh. Um, and that was that was a really strange incident because I called my husband and I said listen I just fell off the bike but I have no idea what happened why I fell off the bike because I wasn't I didn't have an accident I didn't like I didn't bang into anybody I didn't um, anything I wasn't riding fast I just fell off so after that point I decided okay for the safety of everyone involved I need to only either not ride my bike or ride only when I'm with my husband so that he can kind of be there if anything happens yeah did you discuss um, any of this with your care provider or anything that you were experiencing did you get any support with it I don't think I spoke about this in particular I mm. spoke a lot about the other symptoms I had so towards the end of my second trimester or in the middle I started getting really severe rib pain mm-hmm. um, as the baby would grow everything was getting softer and making space for the baby. So my ribs really, really hurt. And I had never heard about this symptom before. Nobody ever talks about it, that your ribs hurt like crazy. Um, that I was slowly starting to get breathless as the baby grew and started pushing everything up <laughs> into my into yeah. my mouth, basically. Yeah. And um then I also had a lot of uh, wrist pain and ankle pain towards the end of my pregnancy. I didn't, fortunately, I did not have any water retention. Uh, that was something that she would keep, my doctor would keep checking every time. And she said, you're really good in that regard. So I was quite happy. My weight gain seemed to be on track. Although I must say that in the last month of my pregnancy, I really put on a lot of weight. I think the largest amount of uh, baby growth and my weight gain um, took place in the last month Mm. yeah Um, and other than that I had very severe heartburn very very severe so I basically stopped eating anything spicy anything fried or um, which cut out most Indian food and I'm Indian you know so obviously in this kind of state I, I was craving my home food so I just had to make it in a I had to alter the way I was cooking uh, because I just couldn't eat anything that had any spices or or a lot of oil. Yeah. That was kind of um, a whole potpourri of different symptoms that I that I went through during pregnancy. Another one that I uh, really struggled with and I struggled with even after delivery was uh, tooth pain and my gums hurting really, really badly. Um, to the point that they were bleeding. And I went to the dentist a few times. He told me that it's so obvious um, that your body needs calcium when you're pregnant. 
because obviously it's all your 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 baby needs everything for growing itself and its bones and so on so it's basically drawing it from you which weakens the teeth so he said that he can actually he actually has once told a woman that she might be pregnant based on looking at her teeth that's crazy <laughs> and, <laughs> and I didn't know that this, this uh, could happen so yeah that was also a great learning for me yeah I had somebody told me in my first pregnancy you know that baby is going to take whatever it needs to grow and then leave the rest that's there for you. And that made me really realize that, oh my goodness, I have to really be good at what I'm putting into my system because otherwise I will be suffering afterwards because this baby is going to take everything from me, you know? (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. But it's something that people, we don't talk about it so much and we don't really think about it before, before being pregnant and, and until we're in it. And then we're like, oh, there are all these things that can happen in my body. And sometimes I wish that people would speak about that to us when we are younger so that we know what we're, what we're walking into when we're creating a human, you know? This is what happened to me. And I had kind of an outburst when, uh, when I really struggled with, um, with the rib pain um so she would kick me especially on the right side a lot uh so much so that i would sometimes have to stand up and shake my body so that she would kind of adjust her position because no matter how much i spoke to her and tried to coax her with my hands it didn't work and so i would just like get up and shake my body and she would somehow readjust her position um and one of those days that she hurt me so badly from the inside that I kind of got angry and I said to my husband why does nobody talk about this why does nobody tell you that this is what you what you have to expect you're caught by surprise you're caught by surprise and then it's uh, it's a really unpleasant surprise yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah <laughs> what's in um, the movies is never the truth is it no 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 <laughs> no and then uh, another symptom that I also had which fortunately went uh, has not gone away uh, unfortunately has not gone away is restless leg syndrome so I had a magnesium deficiency and iron deficiency and um, the restless legs uh, went uh, into restless arms uh, towards the end of the pregnancy it was horrible it's it's such a terrifying feeling um, it's painful and it's uncomfortable. And I took uh, a lot of magnesium supplements. I still take them. And uh, iron supplements. I would eat a lot of nuts, a lot of yogurt, a lot of oats, you know, everything that they recommend. So in terms of like natural supplements to food as well as um, like tablets. Yeah. Because my body was just not able to keep up. Um, Anyway, so those are kind of all the symptoms that I faced. And uh, yeah, but regarding delivery, you know, obviously you start talking about all of these things and we said that uh, we had to make a choice which hospital that we would want to go to. And for us both, it was very clear that we want to do it at a hospital and not um, not a home birth or, or any other kind of uh, format. Uh, I said, I want all the drugs, I want all the doctors around me, and I want the best care possible. 
Um, I have nothing to prove to anyone, so I also would like to have an epidural. These were kinds of the, the, the discussions that we had. And, um, and my husband also completely agreed. He said, yes, hospital is good. Lots of doctors is also good. Um, so, you know, if anything were to happen to the baby, we have enough of a, a pediatric department that can take care of her or a neonatal department. And um, so all of that was kind of important to us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in Germany, is it midwife support even in the hospital or is it just a doctor that helps you deliver? So you have the midwives that are in the hospital. So they, it won't be your midwife, but they have their own set of uh, midwives as well. And they are on fifth duty. So if you go through an extremely long labor, the chances are that you are interacting with a lot of different people. Right. Um, which is what uh, ended up happening with me. But I'll just come to that in a minute. Um, so I uh, was overdue. My due date was the 30th of April. And uh, I was basically ready from the 20th of April that she should get out. I said, okay, I'm done. You know, mm -hmm. get out of my body now. <laughs> yeah. let's, let's move on to the next uh, phase. Um, but she refused to get out. And um, so on the 7th of May, I went to the hospital because they told me to come in and uh, they wanted to do an ultrasound. Um, <clears throat> because after week 40, the gynecologist does not see you anymore. They will send you, because you're technically overdue already, so they send you to the hospital for checkups. So she said that you can come in for your last checkup, and then for after that, you would have to go to the hospital. But the hospital said, come in, um, skip the last appointment with your doctor and come in here directly. So I went there, we did the ultrasound and um, the check, and they said that, yeah, they unfortunately are not able to find too much of uh, amniotic fluid. So um, it's time to induce the birth. Mm -hmm. I basically went into the hospital for a regular checkup and then I didn't leave for the next four days. Um, I called my husband, he brought me my stuff and he was not allowed into the hospital, but only into the waiting room. So while the they were trying to figure out where to admit me, like, you know, they needed to find a bed for me and so on. Um, I spent a couple of hours with him and uh, it was evening by the time I actually got into the room and they said, yeah, nothing is really going to happen tonight. Uh, you can uh, just relax and be here and we monitor you and uh, we'll probably start with the inducing tomorrow morning. So I thought, okay, my husband and I started a little uh, watch party and we're watching a show um, together on Netflix. And um, and then suddenly someone comes in and they said, yeah, okay, we're going to start now oh. <laughs> at 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> I was really confused because I wasn't, I was clearly not getting the right information. Um, but anyway, so they, they did it. And in my case, they used the gel. Mm. for inducing labor and uh, I pretty much immediately started having contractions but they were mild and uh, I was so that's kind of uh, how it started and I had contractions all night long they were really uncomfortable they got worse and worse and in the morning they got really bad and uh, my husband came to the hospital and he was waiting outside and he said, you know, I'm waiting at home or I'm waiting here. It doesn't really matter. 
And I said to him, I said, you know what? I don't think anything's going to happen because I'm just having the same kind of contractions that I've had all night. Why don't you go home? So he said, okay, fine. I'll go home and just, you know, have a coffee or whatever. And he went home and in that time, you know, people kept coming and checking on me and they said, yeah, it doesn't look like anything is proceeding. Maybe we need to do this again and so on. And then, but my contractions were getting more and more painful and to a point where I couldn't handle the pain anymore. So they said, okay, fine. We're going to take you to the delivery room now and you should call your husband. And my husband, I thought, was at home. But then when I called him, he said, I've been waiting downstairs since 10 minutes. <laughs> he he couldn't, uh, yeah, he couldn't handle being at home. And he said, I don't really know what's happening and I want to be close to you. Aww. He came and stood at the hospital. And then fortunately, he was there. So the rules of the hospital during lockdown were that he had to do a, a rapid test, a rapid COVID test. And only once it was negative, was he allowed to come in only to the birthing room. And as soon as the baby was born, he would have to leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a horrible uh, idea, but we said, okay, fine. I mean, we don't really have any choice. So yeah. he came in and we, and uh, he told me the story later but he said that yeah he walked into the room and I was screaming my head off I was standing and uh, leaning against the the chair and and screaming my head off and uh, that was kind of that was kind of how it started Um, and then yeah and then I got the epidural everything calmed down a little bit Uh, I could talk to him and I had a really, really helpful uh, midwife. The funny thing is that she was in training. She wasn't even so experienced, but she was so good. She was calm. She was friendly. She was helpful. She gave a lot of information and she gave me options. She said, okay, how should I, you know, do certain things? And and I told her my preferences. And um, so that was, that was really good. Um, so it did not really proceed much more from that. So the doctor said that, you know, we're going to give you another half hour. So um, uh, if the baby doesn't come in that much time, then we need to figure out other ways to bring him, bring her out, which is either with, um, I'm not really sure about the names in English, unfortunately, the, the, the suction or the Tongs, I don't know how, but yeah, they, they would the use vacuum other... or the forceps, I think it's exactly called, right? the forceps yeah. or the vacuum, exactly, exactly. Yeah, mm. so they would they would do they would use those, and um, so they said we give it another half hour. Mm. So I said fine, and but I was determined somehow I did it, and she was out. But because mm. as I mentioned, there was no amniotic fluid, it was really interesting. They actually had to pour oil on me. Um, to help her glide out ah. yeah because it was so dry it was so dry there was no amniotic fluid and um, so yeah I mean then she came out yeah and I mean obviously my my husband and I were crying and happy and laughing and everything and uh, uh, oh yeah, two two things I have to tell you. So 
as soon as I saw him, um, and he kind of sat down next to me in the in the in the room. I said to him, I said, we don't do this again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the second thing he said that, I mean, he, you know, so after a few days after delivery, after the baby was born, once we were back home and everything settled down, he wanted to talk about the experience. He wanted to tell me everything from his side, mm. how he perceived it. And, and he said, I have a feeling that you didn't really um, you probably don't remember a lot of the things that we discussed or things that happened. And so he told me, and he said that I was uh, very brave throughout, that I kind of was on top of things the whole time. Um, except for the end, I think the last two to five minutes, I started crying and I said, I can't do this. I, mm-hmm. uh, um, because it was, it was hurting so much. Yeah, I feel like that's when that happens to everyone, just when the baby's about to come, right? We just say, we can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and he said to me, he's like, but you're already doing it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, unfortunately for me, uh, it was, uh, there were a bit, there were some complications. So I lost a lot more blood than is normal, or actually some more blood than is normal. And uh, while they were stitching me up, they realized that there was still some bleeding, but they couldn't, like the doctor couldn't figure out where exactly it was coming from. So uh, some more doctors came and they tried to look, tried to fix it, but it didn't work. So they took me into the operating room um, to, to do that. And they gave me some anesthesia. Um, and I don't know if it's very well-known information, but when you have an epidural or when you have anesthesia, you get really severe shivering. Uh, you start feeling really, really cold. And I'm not really sure anymore why that happens, but it is like really violent shaking of the body. So much so that when they gave me the anesthesia, they had to give me something to stop my body from moving so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I was shivering. And I was really, really cold the whole time. So they put covered me with blankets, but it didn't help mm. until they gave me this something I can't remember anymore what it was to stop the shiverings. Um, so uh, that happened. And then uh, I like they 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 stitched me up, and in that much time, I think it was about an hour or so, my husband could sit with the baby, and they did you know the usual measurements and weighing and cleaning and so on. Mm. Uh, and then they rolled me back in and I obviously wanted to take the baby but I couldn't move because I had anesthesia so I was awake and I could see them and uh, but I couldn't move my arms or legs and that threw me into a massive panic attack I started screaming and crying and I said I have to get up I have to get up and then he came to me, my husband came to me and he took my hand and started scratching it. And he's like, yeah, see, you can feel me. You know, you can feel me. Everything's fine. And then the anesthesiologist came in to reverse the anesthesia and he apologized to me because he had given me apparently a wrong dose. Oh. He, said, he said that I clearly given you way too much than was actually required. 
Yeah. And um, that was a really, really scary time because, you know, you're awake and you see your baby in front of you and you want to hold her, but you can't, you can't move. Yeah. yeah. Horrible, this paralyzing feeling. Yeah, that must have been really scary. It was, uh, yeah, it's something that also has stayed with me. It was kind of traumatic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but fortunately, you know, every everything worked out fine. And, um, you know, I had not eaten anything because when when the um uh, contraction started I ate I think you know when they were really mild I had a Snickers and I had a juice and it all came back out like I couldn't keep anything inside me so um I was obviously extremely hungry (laughs) yeah So my uh, the the nurses and midwives, everyone left, and they gave us some time alone in the room. They said, "Yeah, just you know, because your husband will have to leave soon, so you can just have this little bit of time." And also, it was the middle of the night, you know. This um, was this is all happening at like three o'clock at night, and uh, so they left us alone, and I could drink some smoothies, and you know, just the three of us. Yeah, it was it was beautiful, very, very nice. But unfortunately, then my husband had to leave and we went up to the station um, where then we spent uh, two and a half days basically just recovering and um, trying to get uh, the breastfeeding going, sleeping, staring at her for hours and hours on end Mm -hmm. (laughs) and talking to my husband, doing video calls with him because obviously he was missing out on all of this. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what happened. And then uh, one of my really close friends brought a car and they, they took us home three days later. Oh, that's nice. And how was it coming home with baby? (laughs) That was, uh, really good it was it felt nice it felt very special because in the last month um of uh you know we had obviously started preparing the the apartment right we we had uh we had a, a, a bed uh, gifted to us and we had some uh, clothes and a cupboard and blankets and you know all of these things that that you usually have so then you could finally bring a baby into all of that the one that mm-hmm. you had using all of these things so mm-hmm. it was really it was really nice yeah and uh, my recovery was very slow I had a lot of pain breastfeeding was a very very difficult time it was extremely extremely challenging because it was very painful and it just wouldn't work um we had a lot of sleepless nights a lot of crying a lot of yeah you know because everything was swollen and hot and uncomfortable um I had a midwife in Germany you can get a midwife which was very difficult for us but she wasn't unfortunately very helpful she seemed more concerned with getting her paperwork signed than actually sitting and listening to me and helping me figure things out so we got another midwife fortunately who was a little bit better and she helped us a little bit um, but things still didn't really improve regarding um, breastfeeding so we actually ended up getting a lactation consultant Mm. who then really spent almost two hours with me trying to figure out what positions, how to, what to do, where to put the cushions, where to put the pillows, how I should sit, how the baby should be positioned. 
figuring out the latch uh, and so on. And, you know, a friend of mine had told me during pregnancy, she said that there's so many things about breastfeeding that people just don't talk about, people don't yeah. know. And yeah. it kind of sneaks up on you. In, in the fewest of cases, it just works right from the beginning. But in a majority of cases, women really, really struggle for four to six weeks. And because the suffering is so intense, a lot of them even give up. Um, I was very close to giving up, or rather my husband wanted me to give up because he said, I can't handle seeing you like this. Um, so can you please just stop? Can we figure out something else? So I was pumping milk and we were giving her with the bottle um, just to give me a break from the pain and to let my breasts recover a little bit. And mm. also for me mentally, it was very, very difficult. But then I said to him that, you know, let's wait another week. And if it doesn't improve, then then we'll think about uh, stopping. Then after the week, I said, okay, let's give it one more week. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. then, and then, and he was, yeah, I mean, he obviously supported me. He said, I wish you would stop because it's too much. Yeah. But I thought, let me just try. And fortunately, then it kind of, overnight worked wow <laughs> from one day to the next suddenly my body knew what was happening she had grown a little bit and she knew what to do and everything mm -hmm. just kind of fell into place very easily after that so yeah. yeah that was a big relief yeah yeah it's definitely such a such a journey that we talk a lot about on this podcast it's not something that comes naturally like you said for most women it's something you have to to work on because it's not a skill set that you have before you have a baby and these lactation consultants they're they're so good to to be able to reach out to but they're not unfortunately available everywhere in the world and uh, if you don't have the right support it's just you're just alone in it and you just have to figure it out and it, it can be really really hard yeah yeah. You know, my husband said something really interesting. He said, at least I can be there to support you. Imagine if it's a culture in, you know, in some cultures, women are not allowed to um, expose their bodies in front of their husbands. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there's this whole stigma around all of this, that it's a, it's a woman, women's issue and that men yeah. do not need to be involved. And mm -hmm. a lot of them just do all of this alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really, it's crazy. really, really scary, very yeah. sad, but I feel very fortunate that he was there and we could, you know, get all of this help. Also, of course, it's like you said, it's a luxury, you know, to be able to find a lactation consultant. Not everybody even has the money for it, mm -hmm. um, you know, because it, it costs like 90 euros an hour or something. And uh, a lot of people will be like, yeah, no, I buy food with that 90 euros. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, so it's definitely a luxurious situation that we were in, mm. but it wasn't uh, easy, definitely. Yeah. yeah, there is actually something that I, I will just put it in here because I get this question a lot. There is a um, nonprofit, I think it is, it's called La Leche League, um, and it's available in a lot of the big cities in the world it's a lot in the US but also I know there's one in Prague and there should be one in Berlin as well and um, 
these ones, they have like Facebook pages where you can find somebody who's actually volunteering their time to help out with your breastfeeding. So I will link to that on this show notes notes page also, and maybe make a post about it too, but it's, it's a really cool resource resource to have. And you can also get help um, online, I think through some of these uh, local chapters. Um, I don't know if you knew about this, but I, yeah. I'm just putting it in here because I've had this question a lot. So, <laughs> yeah. So La Leche Liga is a really helpful resource. It it mm. is also something that I am using currently for um, weaning, for night weaning. Mm. Oh, and great! I found a really good article, kind of explaining what to do and how to do it gently. Mm. And um, I also appreciate their their kind of. Uh, take on things that they stand by they have very certain opinions like for example you know saying that a lot of women say that when you're weaning uh, you just need to you just need to leave and let somebody else take care of the baby and um, then you stop breastfeeding but that can be traumatic and La Leche Liga does not recommend that and it's also something that kind of um, I agree with I don't want to traumatize uh, my child mm-hmm. and uh, also don't want to create any health risks for myself yeah so, yeah it was definitely a useful resource yes I mean the thing is you know with breastfeeding you also have to realize that it's it, at the end of the day the woman's choice if she wants to breastfeed if she can breastfeed and um and if she has the strength to and and support to actually yeah. stick it out for the six weeks that it might sometimes take to for it to work out um in my case, as I said, my husband was after three or four weeks ready to give up, but he saw that since I was determined, he had mm. to support me and yeah. we got through it and and it's it's really great. But I'm also lucky that I have such a supportive husband who's there with me. Um, unfortunately, not everyone has that. Yeah, it's like everything through like pregnancy, childbirth and postpartum, it's all our choice and whatever we want to do whatever we decide is best for us is going to be the best for your baby also so it's like but it's good to know that there are resources out there to help out with any choices that we might want to do there's also resources out there to like how how to feed with bottle you know and and like how to how to do all the different kind of parenting (laughs) you know if if you go to google and you go how to parent with this specific thing you're going to get so many resources and and you there'll be there'll be support for everything (laughs) definitely yes yeah um speaking of resources um we you know we developed this some really nice uh, uh routines during pregnancy my husband and I so he is uh, he loves gaining knowledge through books yeah by reading I love gaining knowledge by talking to people mm-hmm. so I would ask other people about their experiences and and kind of tell him about them and he would read books and yeah. uh, tell me about that is <laughs> uh, a really nice way to to complete uh, you know to kind of supplement each other's uh, knowledge yeah, yeah. but uh, what also happened we found this really nice book um i would have to look it up um i'm not sure what it is 
called anymore. Uh, Don't worry, you can send it to me after. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you. So there's, uh, there's two really nice, two, three ni really nice books. So this one book uh, was about pregnancy and uh, it's a German. Um, she has a very nice, ah, yes, it's the Artgericht. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The book, uh, Nicola Schmidt. Yeah. Artgericht. Yeah, that's a really good book because uh, it gives you kind of the historical, the more base human need for certain things like uh, sleeping together and, uh, you know, carrying the baby and cuddling and, and so on. Mm. And, you know, all of these, like, why is it important? Um, because, you know, someone said to me, oh, I don't want to hold him while I sleep, while he sleeps, because I don't want him to get clingy or used to it. And I said, to her I said this child has been inside you for so many months mm -hmm. he doesn't know anything else and you've suddenly you know you're putting him in a bed and expecting him to be able to fall asleep I mean no wonder he's crying so much mm -hmm. so he needs to be cuddled he needs to be held he needs that closeness and warmth and and so on yeah. so you know you your your child is not manipulating you right so like all of these things they they are doing it because it's a base human instinct. And I think that this book, Artgerecht, really puts that across in a very nice, very understandable manner. That's nice. So that right. was that was really helpful. Then there was another book that we read, which kind of gives you the weekly information on what is happening with the baby. And that was our... Um, that was our little uh, routine. So Saturday mornings, we would make coffee and, and sit in bed and read the chapter for the week. So oh, what nice. can we expect in terms of symptoms and how the baby's growth is and, and so on. And then we would just kind of, you know, chat about, about all of that and what I'm feeling and how it matches up to what's written in the book and mm -hmm. what questions we have and, and so on. So it was a really nice one hour every Saturday morning that we had. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think that's that's uh, what I wanted to say about resources. And um, there's also a lot of really good parenting books. Um, my my father-in-law gifted us uh, a, a German book. I'll write you the name later. Um, it's, uh, it's about four different values that you should bring into your parenting relationship. And um, it's a, a lot of letters that have been written um, about, uh, you know, by, by troubled parents and uh, how they are kind of stuck, what they should do. And um yeah advice from from the author that's great that's yeah. super great we'll we'll make sure to link to all of those on your show notes page also oh that's so great thank you so much Gitanjali for coming on and sharing your beautiful birth story with us yeah. it was uh interesting talking about it also <laughs> <laughs> Because, I mean, I, as I said, I like talking to different people about it. And um, it was so, okay. Also, another thing that I want to say is that during my pregnancy and even after childbirth, uh, I spent a lot of time talking to people, talking to my friends, regardless of whether they were male or female. Um, I told them 
everything that I was going through, also kind of the difficult side of uh, pregnancy and mm. delivery and my recovery, because I think that people don't talk about it in, in, enough. Men are not aware of what women have to go through. And a lot of women are uh, unable to share their stories because nobody asks them about it. So right. I kind of took it upon myself to demystify all of these things and to also de-romanticize all of it because people would say, oh my God, you're glowing. And I said, yeah, well, I think that's just the water retention. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh my goodness, and, that's uh, so funny. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, things like that, that it just, you know, oh, do you feel amazing? And I said, no, I feel, I feel really uncomfortable, actually. I am, I'm in pain. And, you know, yeah. I, to be honest, I did not enjoy being pregnant. It was yeah. uncomfortable and it was painful mm-hmm. and so on. But I think it's also important to talk about this absolutely uh, absolutely that is yeah and and also the then the fears that you have you know because I'm an older mom but nowadays a lot of women are getting pregnant at a later age so yeah that's also something that needs to be normalized you know not saying that I'm an older mom anymore and not trying to scare me by saying oh yeah you're an older mom so the chances of the baby having down syndrome higher or you know things like that that there's just a lot of fear mongering that happens uh, yeah. and and we need to kind of get past all of these things which is why I'm yeah which is why I'm really happy to talk to you and share my story yeah yeah <laughs> would you like to share where the listeners can reach out to you if they have any questions or anything uh, yeah so I actually very recently started an Instagram page uh, profile I'm not sure what to call it um telling my story and uh, hoping to inspire other women to kind of participate and also I have some male followers so I hope that even they get some information about parenting pregnancy and childbirth so that they can support their partners as well um so it is a hippie mama I can um, send you the link and you can add that into the show notes so yeah I would love it if people join me there participate in the conversation either in you know in a public manner or even privately I'm here to listen and um, yeah just have an exchange as I'm not an expert but I'm here to share my story as well yeah that's all we need (laughs) (laughs) that's great thank you so much again Gitanjali thank you very much for having me Thank you so much again, Gitanjali, for coming on and sharing your beautiful story with us on the podcast today. If you'd like to reach out to Gitanjali, then go ahead and head to the show notes page on ninemonthspodcast.com to check out her contact details there, or you can just simply send me an email at thenineMonthsPodcast at gmail.com and I'll forward everything to her from there. If you would like to support the podcast, then please go and follow my Instagram page, nine months podcast or head to patreon.com slash nine months podcast and pledge your support to me there i hope you guys are having a wonderful last couple of weeks of april and i'll see you guys again next week for another episode